Welcome back to another episode of Saturday the 14th. I'm Maddie. I'm Maggie. And we're here to talk to you about a less exciting movie today. Yeah, we had a lot of fun last episode with Halloween versus Halloween. And we decided that we had too much fun in the last one. We need to have a little bit less this time. Yeah, I, we're, we're really trying to move away from good movies um, as part of this podcast, apparently. Because you really do have to recognize that there are some really bad movies out there. That's true. I love horror, and there's a lot of amazing horror that I think doesn't get a fair shake. There's a lot of, like, solid horror that is, you know, enjoyable. Probably a lot of the movies that we know and talk about. And then there is... Bad horror, which can be bad for a number of reasons. But still often enjoyable, sometimes more so, sometimes less so. I would say the worst kind of bad horror is a bad horror movie that is bad because it's boring. A la Amityville Horror. Or, in this case, Final Destination. Yeah, so we took a dive into uh, the ultimate fatalistic uh, 2000s teen horror. The entire movie just reads like someone who has a lot of phobias and is terrified of the world. He just kind of happens to be right. And luckily he has like magical phobias instead of real phobias. Yeah, this is, um, I would say this is my, I don't know if it would be my dream come true as a person who's afraid of a lot of things to just be proven super right. Or if that would be the ultimate nightmare. Yeah, I feel like you'd never be able to do anything again. Like when in that scene where he's in the house and just duct taping everything to the wall so That's nothing true. can fall on him. That is true. And then he like picks up a rusty fish hook and he's like, ah, tetanus. I didn't think of that. You almost got me. <laughs> like he's so- like literally talking to himself. Yeah. No, and he, he realizes that he's not rails. even being tried to be killed at that point. Like, yeah. oh my God. Sorry, oh, I'm like talking. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. This movie is rough. In a lot of ways. It is also, I mean, it's pretty iconic. Very well known. It's a very well known and successful franchise. I've heard that these sequels are actually a lot better than this first one is. This one, I think, has the lowest ratings of them. I mean, it's not that good. I get the idea. I like the idea of it. I just wish it weren't so, what's what I'm looking for? Clunky? Over the top? Yeah. Like, the... I think it would be more interesting that the deaths were, like, slightly more believable and not so yeah. ridiculous. And That's it, something I had a problem with as well. Yeah, because if it's like, oh, man, they all fell and died in, like, really kind of natural ways, but we all know it's not natural, I think that's a lot scarier than a, like, clothesline that wraps itself around your neck five times and strangles you. Yeah, and I think that that was one of the problems I had with especially his death is that I liked... Oh, my God, we're getting so ahead of ourselves. We are. I'll... I'll I have a lot of feelings about that as well, which we'll get into um, once we have a little context yeah, this <laughs> for them. Yeah, this came out in 2000, so you get to see some primetime fashion. Everyone looks bad in this movie. I would say that Allie Larder doesn't look too bad. No, but she doesn't look... I would say she she's probably the least, like, super 2000s style. Like, she's not deliberately 2000s She does 2000s-y. have, like, the 2000s girl, like, long hair and bangs with, oh, like, yeah. the half pony half the time. Oh, yeah. So she does have that going on for her. Um, I do like that Carter's girlfriend, who's the actress's name, I don't know, but she has, like, this hot pink purple eyeshadow on, like, oh, throughout half yeah. the movie. Oh, my God. How else would you know that she's the popular girl in a 2000s movie? Oh, my God. And then all the guys are wearing clothes that are, like, three sizes too big on them. I'm glad that that has passed. Literally what I was thinking when watching this movie. Like, I was like, oh, I used to think this look was good. Yeah. 
in 10 years, are we going to be looking at our clothes today and think the same thing, though? I don't think so, because, like, now you can actually see what people's bodies look like underneath them, which is That's nice. That's true. You also, have, like, a sense of... I go back, I look at a lot of 90s fashion, I really like it, and same with, like, 80s and 70s and 60s. It's I just there were some mistakes in the 2000s. Yeah, I think there's some things that age well, and there's some things that don't. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff from the 2010s that we look back on and we're like, what was that? Yeah, probably. But, you know... Hopefully we won't make those mistakes, but I'm we can laugh not. at others who did. I'm sure I'll have made some of them. Yeah, probably. I do own a sequin shirt. Um, I own so much sequin clothing, Maggie. It's not <laughs> even funny at this point. As you laugh. Uh, it I is just said it's funny. not funny. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to offend. Um, All right. So, as we said, this is peak 2000. It was um, directed by James Wong and also written by him, Glenn Morgan, and Jeffrey Riddick. Um. It stars Devin Sawa of Casper fame. Yeah, he's little boy Casper. He's grown-up brooding lunatic in this one. Yeah, he kind of looks like the poor man's Frankie Munoz. He doesn't look cute. Here's the thing. I've heard a lot of women talk about how, like, Devin Sawa was, like, their ultimate idol crush type guy when they were younger. And I I didn't even know who he was. I, like, barely have an understanding of him. But I think they must mean, like, when they were very young and Casper was, like, Honestly, I had a total crush crush on him and Casper. He just, like, it looked like they were trying to style him after other late 90s early 2000s guys rather than like letting him have his own look yeah and i think that honestly he would have been better served if it didn't look like they were just trying to make him a copy of someone like frankie muniz that's true that's true yeah he wasn't yeah the, styling was not helping him in this movie really no as we've discussed it wasn't really helping anybody um like we said ali larder was in there who is brooke taylor windham in legally blonde she's I- also in heroes Oh, yeah, she was. She's had a pretty good career after this, She has honestly. had a really solid career. Um, I will always think of her as being the one who's like, I got liposuction in Legally Blonde now. <laughs> um, it's funny because the entire time I was watching her being like, I know her. What do I know her from? And it's I a totally up. different She looks thing than very she different. She's done. a lot younger, too. Yeah, she's not a blonde in this one. She's not like the – I feel like she's like she's the sexy She's a blonde in like the lady. very last scene, though. True. That's true. And You're then right. she looks very Brooke Taylor then. Yeah. And in I guess in the later movies, or in like the second movie, I think she's a blonde. I think she's only in the first two. Yeah. But like, yeah, I feel like her, her career kind of shifted into like the really sexy woman type thing. And then but she's kind of like strong, the cute powerful girl. woman. Yeah. And they try to do more of a cute. And I think she rocks the more like sexy in charge of herself than she does like the girl who needs face. to be saved a little bit. Like she doesn't have an ingenue look to her face. She, no, looks, she looks like strong. she, she can looks handle powerful. Shit. Yeah. I love and, it. Yeah. Um, and then we have Kerr Smith, Kristen Cloak, and our man, Tony Todd. Ah, uh, the candy man himself. Yeah, he's somehow almost creepier in this movie, though. It's like just condensed overt creepiness. Yeah, it's like they just tried to be like, who's creepy and kind of intimidating? Tony Todd. Yep, he's actually going to be in another movie coming out. Um, yeah, I'm psyched. What is that it's called? It's about a carnival or something. Yeah. I don't remember. I looked it up I earlier today. I can't remember today. the name of it, but he does have another one coming out. Uh, uh, Hellfest. Hellfest, yes. He's going to be in Hellfest. And something that I noticed when looking up all these actors on IMDb that's kind of depressing is that Final Destination for almost all of them is the, like, this actor is known for movie. Yeah, that's rough. Like, career-defining I just, wise. the script wasn't that great. Like, it no. was just so, like, there's a lot of explanation for confusing things that someone just like decides and thinks of it's yeah, never really weird. explained like there are these premonitions that the main character has that's never really explained no we just kind of take everybody's word for it yeah that's what it is it's like it's everybody taking everybody else's word with no reason mm-hmm. and then just things happening it's just super ridiculous yeah so, they're just proven right i think it would have been 
better served as maybe not a big blockbuster movie. Yeah. Oh, I also, we forgot to mention that Sean William Scott is in this as well. Stifler from American Pie. Oh, that is him. I was trying to yeah, figure out where like he was from, too. Yeah, he's friend. Yeah, he's always that annoying friend. Yeah. Um, so this is a bigger budget, uh, I think due to the number of special effects. There's a lot There's of a special ton. effects. They had to build a whole plane um, centrifuge for this. Um, and then they have like a giant billboardy sign type thing that falls yeah. apart. And there's a lot do of that more than once. Yeah, there's a lot of sparks and lightnings. So there's CGI, special effects as well. Yeah. Um, so the budget for this one was actually twenty three million dollars. That's a lot. And in its first opening weekend, it only made ten million back. So how did people go see this? Say, friends, you all really need to see this. I'm guessing that maybe it was just that nothing else had really come out like this up at that you know up until that point because it did come back super hard. It made one hundred and twelve million dollars total. Um, all told, which is a pretty good return on investment. It's also before RottenTomatoes.com existed, so maybe that's how. Maybe, yeah. It's just fun, and you go with your friends, and it's exciting. And I was actually listening to a talk a couple of months ago, and I can't remember who gave it, but it was someone at school, and they're talking about the fact that you no longer can really like make a slightly misleading trailer for movies. So like if you see some of the original trailers for like, The Truman Show, which is very much like a dramatic movie, mm-hmm. they paint it as a Jim Carrey comedy, which is really funny. And then... Um, also you can't like just spend a ton on advertising and think that that will make up for a movie that's bad true because people talk and they post their thoughts online like because of social media just it's changed the way that people can market and talk about movies now and everything relies on that Rotten Tomatoes score that makes a lot of sense and um I mean, you still do see some sort of misleading trailers, like Hereditary, Hereditary kind of thing, where it was kind of a different vibe. But that was more of a twist than it was. Yeah, a... it still conveyed the tone. It, it did, yeah. It wasn't yeah. misleading. It just didn't show the twist. That's true. But we won't go into that because we have to talk we're about a different movie later. Yeah. So um, yeah. First note: we start with some really two thousands opening credits that have a lot of like shots of shutters that then become completely overexposed. Oh my god! I forgot that this was a thing in the two thousands. How did I forget that this was a thing? Yeah, it, it was bad. Um, camera work didn't get good until like last year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like the 2000s were difficult and then we meet alex pretty early on and he's talking to his family because he's about to go on a trip to france with a bunch of his classmates and yeah. his, his mom wants to rip the tag that your luggage is tagged with it says like what airport it's supposed to go she's mm-hmm. like oh i need to rip this off he's like no you have to keep it on because if that made it survive one plane trip then it'll make this one successful and i was just sitting there like you do know the flight attendants like when they check you in or whatever they have to take that off otherwise your bag is just going to go to the wrong airport yeah i feel like ultimately this is just a movie about a teenage boy with like unchecked anxiety yeah and then it just kind of some bad things happen that just like confirm his anxiety but yeah it's it's just the stupidest superstition i've ever heard because like you can't do that yeah. That's how you are guaranteed to lose your bags all the time. It's weird, and it's not going to help you. And also, if you start going into, like, oh, well, it happened this way last time and everyone was safe, so I have to keep doing that way, It's that's an unbearable list of things that you're going to have to continue to do the that's same way. That's not good. Don't live your life that way, people. But so he goes to this airport, and there's, like, a creepy guy with face paint on who hands him a brochure that says, but, like, death is not the end or something like that. There's a lot of weird foreshadowing. Like, when he checks out... When he's, like, getting checked in, the lady's, like, she checks his ID, and she goes, she goes, oh, your departure is the same time as your birthday. And he's, like, what? And she, like, points to the sign behind him, and he was born on, like, September 25th, and his flight to France with his um, his school field trip 
is leaving at 9.25 p.m. And he's like, oh. And then there's this weird thing. He keeps getting distracted by the, like, flipping gate board that says, like, where he's leaving from. And then it focuses in really, like, closely on just the word terminal. Honestly, this guy seems like he would be very difficult to travel with. Like, every little thing is, like, a weird omen or, like, spooking him somehow. Yeah. Why is he going on this trip? I, I don't know. Because he wants weird. to go to France. He doesn't want to go to France. That's I want to go true. to France. But he's there with a bunch of his French class people and a couple of teachers. And luckily, they are using the most basic French so he could actually understand everything said in France. It's like, allons-y, on va en France. And like, <laughs> okay, great. Thank you for making this very basic for Isn't me. Isn't that how they do an announcements in the... Um in the airports now. Come on, guys. We're going to go to France. Like, Oh, God. I mean, it was the teacher talking to the students. But at the same time, if these are, like, high school seniors because they're all driving, they might be juniors. That means they've been taking two to three years of France. Yeah. That's, like, what you learn in the first, like, three or four classes. Yeah. Like, when I was – I mean, I took German. But by the time I was a senior, we were talking we – I had like, to read Voltaire in French yeah, when I like, was a I junior. Yeah, like, I read Faust in German. And, exactly. like, I couldn't do it now. But, like, I could then. And, like, we were able to have real conversations and stuff like that. Honestly. I was supposed to read Voltaire in French. I still couldn't. It was very, very difficult. So, yeah. And then these kids, like these teenagers, are just being as stereotypical of teenagers as you could possibly imagine. Like, they're making out on top of each other. There's, like, the hot nerd of bangs, a.k.a. Ali Larder. They have a weird conversation about how you need to, like, poop before you get on the airplane. Yeah, and then there's, like, shots of them with, like, their pants down pooping in the bathroom. Like, it's talking weird. to each other. And Alex keeps, like, spacing the fuck out. Yeah, he's super weird the whole time. So he sits down on the plane. They all get on. And so he starts noticing little weird things on the plane, like the tray table in front of him. Like, he tries to, like, it falls down. He tries to put it back up, and the thing gets ripped off. And uh, the paint on the outside of the plane when he first got on, he noticed was, like, super messed up. Which is, like... Just kind of, no shit happens. Yeah, it kind of like he notices every small thing. He's like, oh god, we're gonna die. And then the plane takes off and it explodes. Yeah, so he. But then he wakes like, up. Yeah, so it's this terrible explosion. Like, everyone dies. He dies. People are being ripped out of the plane. It's horrifying. And yeah, then he wakes back up again. Like I said, luckily he just has this magical phobia, not yeah, normal phobia. That gives him stress dreams. Yeah. Very intense. Stress also, dreams. can we just talk about this plane crash for a second? I would love to. Because it is the least realistic plane crash I've ever seen in my Here's life. Here's the thing. Not Every... that I've ever really seen a realistic plane <laughs> crash. I've never seen a real one. But all of a sudden, there's just like a huge blood splatter on the wall at some point. The middle of the plane rips off weirdly. Like, yeah. it's not the front. It's not the back. It's just like a chunk out of the middle rips off. Yeah, that is strange. It's very Basically, odd. every single action scene in this movie makes absolutely no sense Like, whatsoever. zero sense. It's not even like a little bit feasible no it's all flash and, and i thought nothing it would be a would lot more interesting happen. and a lot scarier if it had been more realistic yeah i think that that's just generally a note for this movie in general to take into consideration it is, and we will bring this up again um so he wakes back up and he's like okay i'm still alive but then he goes to put down the tray and the thing breaks off in his hand again yeah so everything that happened in his like dream leading up to the plane exploding starts to happen he starts like hyperventilating and like his friend out. tries to switch seats so that he can be near these girls yep. and it's just all this stuff he starts to freak out he like loses it completely and a bunch of students are getting upset with him some guy who's i guess his rival according to wikipedia i think they just don't like each other i don't know yeah. if rival's the right word but he gets up and they start to get in a fight there's a guy who is late getting on and like just basically seven people end up kicked off this flight yes and so it is alex who is this main guy it is his best friend, Todd. It's Carter, who's kind of his rival. It's Carter's girlfriend who got off the plane to check on him. We have one of the teachers who got off. And then um, 
the girl with bangs, Allie Larder. Her name is Clear Rivers. She was apparently named after, um, I think... She was named after one of the PAs, I think, or the assistants on gotcha. the... Gotcha. I just is... kept asking myself, why wasn't she just named Claire? Because I it's thought... really close to Claire. Yeah. I thought that they were calling her Clear, or Claire for most of it. Yeah. I always watch movies with subtitles on now just because I can follow along what's going on better. Yeah. And it was really interesting. I was like, why, why wouldn't they just name her Claire? It's, just, it's so close to Claire. Well, we at first... I thought that he was just... That like a bunch of the people were just saying Claire, but with like a Midwestern accent or something like that. And so I was like, why does it... Why is it... Like, you know, sometimes the subtitles are wrong. Yeah. I was like, why do they keep calling her clear? Like, why wouldn't they have checked that? And then I Googled it, and that is actually actually just her name. And uh, Billy was the last one who was the guy who was running late onto the plane. Yeah. So the, I think that's seven of them. Yeah. All ended up surviving because they're in the airport, and they're watching out the window as the plane with all the rest of their classmates and everyone else takes off and then explodes, just like Alex thought it would. And they're all mad at him at first. They're like, what the fuck? Like, why did you take us off this plane? Like, And Alex, like, gets mad at Carter, and he's like, I wish you were on that plane. It's very dramatic. And they are interviewed by the FBI afterwards. Yeah, because the FBI is like, okay, how did you know this was going to explode? And he was like, I just had a feeling. I had a dream. Which, like, you know this is a movie from 2000, because they're like, okay, you're free to go. Yeah, because it was pre-9-11. Yeah, now it would be like, cool, you're going to jail until we figure it out. Yeah, and then they're asking Claire, like, well, why did you follow him off? And she's like, I just I had a feeling. I believed him. Yeah. It's all very dramatic. Yeah. There's, so, like... Yeah, there's just a lot of interrogation. and Nothing really gets solved. So they're all allowed to go home. Parents come to pick them all up, except for Claire, who does not get parents to come pick her up. No, her parents don't like her. No, and so she gets a ride home from Alex. Mm romantic yeah i realized at some point during the movie she just started calling him baby but yeah, i never I saw cut out something because like, like getting together and just no. all of a sudden she starts calling him baby yeah i also noticed that and it's super weird apparently there was a scene where they like make out and like it's implied that they hook up but they just cut that part and then that didn't makes a lot do of anything sense to because it's the like they in their never dynamic. really explained this okay there's a lot of things in this movie that just never get explained yeah so that night he's watching the news and he sees that there's no survivors from this plane crash and he's looking very like dramatic and, and there's lightning flashing outside and he's so emotional he like runs to the window and looks out and he sees lightning strike his street and he's like oh and then this means something it cuts to 39 days later yeah which is a very specific amount of days later it is. it's also a long distance out from memorial service yeah why did it take him over a month to schedule a memorial service that's very strange I feel like maybe they were going like, like over winter break or something like that. Maybe. And they wanted to wait until everyone was back from Christmas or something like that. That could be it. I don't know. They never really explain it. Um, but they go to this memorial service and Alex is like just having these weird interactions with all the people that he saved on the plane. Because like people aren't generally like pro Alex. They, I think, are still kind of suspicious of him. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like a laundry list of every single person is going to have some sort of different interaction with him. So, like, Carter and his girlfriend Terry are in front of him in line to pay their respects to the memorial or something like that. And Carter talks about how he's going to live forever. And then Billy comes over and starts talking about a DMV appointment he had because he just got his driver's license that day. And he's like, but the the inspector guy, like, he told me I was going to die young. Do you think that's true? And it's just really weird. It is. And, like, um, the teacher, Mrs. Luton, is, like, openly scared of him. Like, tells him, like, you scare me. She's like, get away from me. You scare me. Which is like, come on. And then we find out that Todd's dad is actually not even letting him hang out with Alex anymore. 
but Clear is good. She gives him a rose and she thanks him for saving yeah, her life. Yeah, it's a white rose and he's eternal love. Oh, romantic. Yep. So that night, Alex is like hanging out at his house, reading dirty magazines yep. like a teenage boy. I like that we actually get to see like shots of the magazine. Yeah. Adds a little more spiciness to a otherwise very sexist movie. <laughs> yes. And we're also just getting shots of Todd going about, like, grooming himself. So we see him shaving, and he cuts himself accidentally. We see him cutting his nose hairs with one of those little, like, scissor things, and I knew that he was going to die in this scene. I was so afraid of him, like, falling those scissors, like, going straight up his nose. Yeah, I was afraid of that as well. But it didn't happen, That would have been better, though. That's the thing, is all the stuff that they tease would have been way better than the way he actually dies, which is very complicated and also stupid. And so while we see this, while we see him grooming himself, there's just, like, this shot of, like, I guess it is supposed to be water, but it's very, very blue. Yeah. And it's very slippery, apparently. So maybe it's supposed to be, like, soap or something. I don't something. know, but it's coming from the toilet, right? And it's like... Yeah, I think it's supposed to be water. Yeah. It's just not well done. No. So that's, like, spilling out and, like, kind of going across the floor. And then his mom's laundry is, like, hanging in the tub behind yeah. him. So there's a, a laundry cord. And he's, like, getting ready to shower. So he's, like, taking his mom's, like, pantyhose and underwear and stuff like that off of this cord. And then we see Alex again... And he somehow, like, throws his magazine at a fan or something. I don't... I was very confused as to how this magazine got ripped up. But this magazine gets all torn up, and then just, like, a little piece flies back to Alex and just says Todd on it. Like, it was a part of a word. I think it was, like, yeah. today or something like you that. You know what's interesting is Todd spelled T-O-D is actually the German word for death. I did dead. not know that. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Death, not dead. I thought maybe they did it just so it would be really easy for that magazine scene. <laughs> so that way they didn't have to find a word that had T-O-D-D in it. That's true. That's another good point. But I also think they put a shit, like a shit ton of thought into all of these characters' names and not enough thought into the rest of the movie. That makes sense, yeah. And so Alex is like, oh no, something's going to happen to Todd. So he starts, like, leaves his house and starts to run over to Todd's. And we see Todd, who's, like, putting away this laundry... And he, like, kind of slips on this watery, soapy stuff on the floor. And then the laundry cord wraps itself around his neck, like, like five six times. times. Yeah. And he's, like, basically being hanged because he can't get a grip on, like, he's in the bathtub now. And he can't, like, right himself because the bathtub is slippery. Because his feet are, like, slippery. wet and, or soapy or whatever. That's yeah. the whole thing. Is, like, if it's just water, this doesn't make sense. If it's soap, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and he's, like, he's not using his hands to, like, push up off the tub or anything, which would make a lot more sense. He's using them to try to claw the thing off of his throat, which is, like, And he tries to, that. like, reach out to the little nose scissors, but he can't quite reach them. No, and he dies. And then his death is ruled a suicide. <laughs> which, like, I guess... I guess it's hard to say that you do that to yourself. I mean... Or, sorry, let me rephrase. Because I said that wrong. I guess it's hard to see someone, like, hung up and not think that they must have done that on purpose to themselves. Because it just doesn't look like anything that could possibly be accidental. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And honestly, I think that that's more interesting is that, like, at first, it seems like they're going to go in a direction where it's, like, it seems like all these people are killing themselves. They don't really follow through on that. They don't. Which is a bummer because it's almost like it... That would have been more interesting. Right, and it's more interesting to see, like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's sad, but, like... It's not, we don't need to investigate versus like a bunch of weird accidents or like explosions yeah. that like obviously but people would investigate. Alex runs up to the house because he was running to Todd's house just as like there's an ambulance there and they're taking him out in like a body bag and Clear is also there for some reason. I don't know why. She said that she has feelings and she is connected to Alex. When he feels something, she feels it too. And those feelings brought her there that night. It's super weird and they don't explain it at all. Oh, I'm so happy we're past the 2000s. Like oh they were definitely God. a golden age of some things like i do kind of even they're so bad like i love the looks at the same time even though i hate them at the same time um but some of this writing was just so not good and i'm really happy that 
even the worst horror movies are often better than this. Yeah. So the next day, Clear and Alex decide that they're going to hang out because he wants to talk to her and figure out why she was there and things. And so she shows him, like, all this weird spring art that she made. Oh, my made, God. And she's there's like, this weird, like, head that has a bunch of holes in it. It's on a spring. And she's like, do you know what this is? And he's like, uh, no. She's like, it's you. Which, like, I gotta be honest. Coming at this from, like, a 27-year-old perspective, I'm like, if someone said that to me, I would leave their house immediately. But, like, I remember what I was like when I was 16 or 17. And if a guy had been like, I made this art about you, I would have been like, ah. Also, I do love that she does, like, metalworking. She doesn't just, like, paint or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. She's, like, got this whole place to herself because her parents abandoned her. Like, her mom married this new guy, and then, like, they split. Because her dad died. Yeah. And her mom was, like, ruined by it. There's also a lot of talks about, like, alternate worlds in which all these people are still alive and together and stuff like that. Yeah. But then it's never really fleshed out. No, there's a lot of themes that are mentioned and then never actually explored in this movie, which is a huge bummer. Yeah. Um, there was so much potential, which I understand is probably why they made a second and third. I'm guessing they're a lot better, honestly. Yeah. I remember the trailers for those. I honestly yeah. don't remember the trailer for this one. The second one is the one with the logs. Yeah, the, the logs the is what I remember. There's also yeah. like one that has like a roller coaster thing on it or yeah, something. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. So and there's so, a lot. I think those are better deaths, I've heard they're honestly. better. Yeah. Um, but so they talk about this and she's like, oh, I feel what you feel. And he's like, cool. Do you want to go look at our friend's dead body? And she's like, yeah, that's hot. Yeah. Like she's like, or I think he says like, I need to see him one more time just to see if like I'm going crazy or not. So they decide to sneak into this like mortuary where he is. Yeah. Which apparently has a stained glass window on top of it that has like a very easy to open hinge. And that's how they sneak in. I guess maybe a lot of people don't try to break into mortuaries so they don't have to worry about it. Cause oh, I feel like I've seen a lot like of movies where people break into mortuaries. Yeah. yeah. But they go and they're like looking at his dead body and then Tony Todd shows up. Oh my god. Tony Todd is the best actor in this entire movie because he just shows up. He's super fucking creepy. Shows up out of nowhere. Does this long rant about how like you can't escape death and death is like the ultimate bad motherfucker that you don't want to mess with and like just really intense shit. Yeah. And then he like as he's talking about it, he comes over and he sticks like this giant like stabby thing i don't actually know what it is like into their friend and there's like blood like right yeah in front of them. it's super weird but he also does mention that there were finger fingernail marks around where the wire was mm -hmm. like, that means that he didn't want to die and he's like exactly but also from what i understand a lot of people who commit suicide decide after they start that they actually don't want to yeah. so it could actually be normal even if it had been suicide yeah and i don't know if the writers just didn't realize that fact or maybe it wasn't as common i don't know how them. good of a mortician this guy is because instead That's of mentioning true. any of that shit he's just like here's what's up you've cheated death and death will get its revenge on you and which is a lot i'll see you back here very soon which, like, at this point, I don't know if you should just believe the random creepy mortician because he might just be trying to keep you from breaking back into his morgue. Yeah. You know? I mean, understandable. Like, maybe all maybe that's why so many morticians are creepy. Because they're like, if keep I'm just away. weird, people will not be around me. It's possible. I mean, he was terrifying. So they, like, peace out and they're like, okay, time to run. But also I'm going to take everything that he just said super, super seriously. Yeah. And so the next day, Alex and Clear decided to discuss what the mortician was talking about. And Clear is really skeptical of everything the mortician said, but Alex is, like, super into it. Yeah. And he thinks that they just need to, like, look out before they cheat death. Yeah, he really, like... It's almost like this guy says something to him, and then he, like, develops his own set of beliefs based off of just what that man said to him. Yeah. With, like, no research, no investigation. A lot of this movie is Alex just being, like, oh, I've decided this is the way it is and everyone else believing him. And then it is that way, which is the weirdest part. Yeah. So Clear is like, I don't know about that. They get together the rest of the people who were like 
on the plane and got off. And he's like, here's what's up. We're all going to die unless we figure out a way to cheat death. Here's what the situation is. Like, we all need to be super, super careful. And most of them are kind of like, well, it has been really weird, but, like, maybe not. Like, well, I don't know. Um, and then Carter and him kind of get into it again. They've been getting into it this entire yeah. time. And Terry, who's Carter's girlfriend, gets, like, really fucking fed up with the two of them. Yeah, and Carter's like giving him a lot of shit about it and he doesn't believe him and terry's finally like you know what if you don't want to pay attention and you don't want to believe the signs that are around you or whatever like then you can just go die and just and immediately gets hit by a goes and dies she gets hit by a bus my favorite death in this entire movie is terry's death because it is flawlessly timed watching someone get hit by a bus is always a little bit funny mostly because of mean girls and it's just so abrupt like it's just such a weird you know yeah and um, she did not like both ways before crossing the street. She did not. And also, it's just like, it's clean. You know, it's like, it's a good, could happen to anyone, boom, Oh, done. I just remembered why Alex threw the magazine into the fan. It's because, like, a giant owl showed up on his windowsill. That was, like, his omen. And he threw the, I think he threw the magazine at it and hit the fan, then it got torn up. This movie's fucking bonkers. It's weird. Anyway. <laughs> Nothing um, makes sense. So, Alex ends up watching, like, a news report on the cause of the explosion, and he, at some point, figures out the idea that the survivors are all going to die in the order that the explosion would have killed them based on where they were sitting. Right. So, like, it's going from, they like, front to about, back. Yeah. It's, like, it starts in one section, and then there's, like, other points that it would have hit. And those are, like, all of conveniently their seats. So he's, like, okay, well, I can number, like, these seats, and then that's the order. Like, I guess Todd was the first one, and then Terry was the second one. And yeah. he's like, okay. So and like, he figures out the third place. one was the teacher who got off the plane. Yeah, so he's like, okay, I gotta go get Miss Luton. Yeah, and meanwhile, Miss Luton's having, like, a breakdown. Yeah, she's not doing well. She's, like, about to get out of town. She's she ready to go. She was making tea, and then looked at the mug and freaked out for some reason. I don't know if I missed something, but she I just, and she's like, oh, my, she freaks out about something on her mug. Or maybe she just doesn't want tea, and she dumps it all out, and she's like, I'm going crazy. And then so she puts ice and vodka into her mug instead. Ugh. But then as soon as she does that, the mug cracks, which I'm guessing is supposed to be kind of partially supernatural and partially because of, like, the hot to cold. I guess. But she doesn't notice it at all. No. And so also, she it doesn't just crack walking... in a normal way. It just, like, develops a little crack in the bottom. Yep. This is, again, one of those things where these are just, like, not normal things. Yeah. I think this would have been so much scarier. So she looks outside while she's doing this, and she sees um, Alex out there. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, so she sees Alex outside, and she's like, what is this creepy guy doing out here? I told him I'm afraid of him, so she calls the police. So the police are already aware that he is at her house. And she, yeah, she walks to her computer, mm -hmm. but her cracked vodka mug, which I just really enjoy that she was drinking vodka out of a coffee mug, um, is just dripping everywhere. Yeah, and it gets all over the back of the computer, and instead of doing what it would do to a computer, which is just everything sizzles out and then your computer doesn't work anymore. Instead, it catches on fire, explodes, and shoots a thing into her neck? Yeah, it shoots, I guess, a piece of glass from the screen like into the her monitor, neck. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, 2,000 monitors were made of glass, I guess. Yeah, and then everything catches on fire. Yeah. Because she's been dripping the vodka all around, and so all and of so the vodka catches like on fire. And so she's, like, bleeding profusely from this piece of glass that shot into her neck, mm -hmm. and she's walking back to the kitchen... But then, yeah, there's the line of vodka that was dripping all catches on fire because, you know, vodka catches fire. That's a sure. normal thing. Right. And so <laughs> the fire is following her. And then she, she slips. She slips and falls on her own blood, I think. Yeah. Or on the vodka. On or the blood, like that. yeah. And she is trying to get something to put to her neck. And there's a 
dish towel over a block of knives. She grabs the dish towel, but drops the entire block of knives to all fall and go straight point down into her. And this is exactly when um, Alex decides to show up and he runs into the house. He's like, Mrs. Luton. This is the dumbest shit anyone has ever done. He runs over in the blood, picks up the knife that is inside of her. He like pulls it out of her, stands there holding the knife with like his shoe prints are now in blood. He's not trying to help her. He's not putting pressure on any of the wounds. He just chucks the knife away and then runs away and then runs like, why go in there? Don't go in there. No, that was so dumb. And then for some reason, because this is how everything works in this world, the whole house explodes. Yep. While he's running away. Oh, I also really appreciate it. I think what happened is the line of vodka got to the bottle of vodka and the bottle of vodka explodes. Then somehow causes the rest of the house to explode like minutes later. It really makes no sense at all. Like, maybe she was drinking Everclear straight? Yeah, it's just, like, 100%, like, the most insane proof, like, bathtub Everclear is, like, 80% usually or something stupid like that. I mean, Bacardi 151 catches on fire, and that's 151 proof. She just has a very serious problem, and at this point she's just drinking lighter fluid? Yeah. Out of a vodka bottle. On the rocks. Oh my god. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. Vodka doesn't catch on fire. No part of her death scene makes any sense. I I think it was at this point, I was thinking originally that the bathtub scene with the wire that goes around the neck was the worst death scene I'd ever seen. And then I saw this and I was like, oh wait, no, it gets worse. And it's frustrating because they could have done something as simple as like, she cuts herself, slips on the blood, grabs for the um, cloth and impales herself on all those knives. That would have been better than the computer... It just makes, I know that they're trying Shooting to go to the extreme of like her jugular. Yeah. Like it makes sense that they're trying to be like, death will find you no matter what, even if it seems insane. It just, it would make so much more sense if they weren't so like over the top ridiculous. Yeah. Like it just wasn't scary because of how silly it was. And like, it just felt like this movie the entire time couldn't decide if it was supposed to be like kind of a cool slasher without a real villain. Or if it was trying to be like a campy '80s movie, or yeah, what the that's hell something that I read in a lot of the reviews, where some of them were like, "Oh, it's fun and campy, and also it's a cool thriller," and then others were like, "What the fuck is this movie doing?" And that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, it feels like it has like doing. movie ADHD. Like it yeah. wants to be one thing, that wants to be another. Yeah, and it doesn't know how to actually like have the right type of exposition in order to tell us what's going on. So it just gives teenagers random ideas that happen to be true, and everyone just believes it because. Yeah, it doesn't really make any like, sense. Alex isn't even that smart of a guy. He's, he's not. He's really not. Decides things that become true. So at this point, all of the remaining survivors get back together. And they're like, okay, we have to figure out what's going on. Because at this point, it's like, yeah, you know, three people have died. It's like, obviously I think not Clear goes and finds Carter and Billy. And she's like, you guys need to help me find Alex. And so they all go searching for Alex. They find him on a beach somewhere. I don't know how she knew to find him on a beach. That wasn't clear in the slightest. Not made clear at all. Um... But they all go and they're driving around and Carter's driving them and they're trying to talk about who's next. And Carter believes that he's next and Billy believes that he's next, but Mm -hmm. Alex won't tell them who it is. Yeah. So Carter starts driving like crazy. Billy is in the front seat with Carter. And he's like, well, if we crash and... And It'll be on our terms. Yeah, or like, or if you're not supposed to die, none of you will die anyway. So like, if I die, well, that's, I'm supposed to die anyway, so who cares? Yeah, and he ends up doing some really ridiculous, reckless stuff and then stops on train tracks. Yep. And they're all like, what the fuck, dude? Don't do this. And he won't get out of the car. And it's funny because Alex and Clear are in the back seat. 
and the car's in the driver's seat and they can't get out though because it's one of those cars where you have to like fold the front seats forward so Mm -hmm. they're like oh god if you don't get out we can't get out billy eventually gets out and then the others are able to and carter's staying in the car but the last minute is like i don't actually want to do this but his seatbelt jams yeah and And so so he's trying to get out of the car and like the car locks itself too which is weird yeah um but then Alex runs in and tries to save. And I guess in the backseat at some point he had a premonition of a seatbelt ripping. And so he knew that Carter's seatbelt would rip. And is yeah. able to pull him out through the window of the car and save him. And he saves him just in time. And they're like, okay, great. We're and beating death. Billy is freaking out. Yeah. And there's like one tiny piece of the car something that ended up on the train tracks. So I guess the train going over it starts rattling this and one like piece. A chain grabs it or and something. And it smacks it and it flies across and decapitates Billy. It actually cuts through his head around the jaw. Oh, God. Because you see, like, the top you half know of his what? head. I saw his head fall off, and then when it showed the body, I was like, that neck looks really weird. I didn't realize yeah, it was Yeah, it's like jaw. his jaw, and he's, like, stumbling over for a second before he falls over. Honestly, his death scene was pretty cool. Like, in terms of, in terms of if you're going to go really hard on the, like, oh, it's fate, and, like, people are going to die if they're going to die, and, like, his was better than Miss Lewis's, and better than... If the than... other ones had not been shitty, his death would have been fine. That's true. Yeah. I think I was just, like, tired of these ridiculous deaths at this point. Yeah. But I found his to be... His and the the, um, and the bus crash. Those are both, like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um. So Alex decides that, okay, so he intervened, which means that death skipped Carter and then moved on to Billy, who was the next person in line. And so then, I don't know how he's deciding all this shit, but he's real confident. He just confident. decides it. You know, he just knows. He has these feelings, Maggie. <laughs> he does. He has these feelings. He just knows it's true. The confidence of a teenage boy. Oh, man. Actually, you know? so um, for all you listeners, I just got a new tattoo, and I was trying to decide whether or not I was going to do it, and I was like, you know what? I just need to have the confidence of a young white man who gets a tattoo and just thinks, why the fuck not? Yeah. And so I did it, and I love it, and I have the confidence of a young white man now. That's <laughs> all you need, man. That's all you need. But yeah, he just like is 100% convinced that he, it is him. Yeah. And so he decides he's going to go hide out. He, he goes to this yeah, fortified luckily, cabin yeah, that he Clear, has. Yeah, Clear luckily just happens to have her dad's old cabin. And she's yeah. like, I'm going to put you up here. Like my mom and my stepdad don't like ever come out here. And so he's like duct taping everything to the walls. He's going around making sure that there's nothing that could possibly kill him. And at some point, like, something falls over and a door starts to open. He grabs the door and you can see, like, a knife has been, like, trying yeah. to fall through. And he's like, ah, you almost got me. And that's it's when he finds crazy. the rusty fish hook. And he's like, oh, tetanus, I didn't think of that. You're so clever to, like, this entity. That he's he going he's straight up insane. He is. Also, I kind of wonder about his mom, who is clearly established as a character yes. earlier on. Her son has just gone through this traumatic event and has just completely gone off the rails. And she doesn't appear to be present at no, all. No, his parents just, like, are MIA almost the entire Do you movie. even see his father at any point? Yeah, he comes to, like, the, okay. he comes to the airport with her. Oh, yeah, you're and right. And all th- three of them are watching the news when they, yeah. in the beginning when he goes He's and sees the lightning strike. just kind of a Yeah, honestly, his mom and his dad just aren't around much. He's just at someone else's cabin, and they're like, oh, I wonder where our son, who recently went through a Who's terrible... Who the FBI is trying to yeah. investigate right now. Like, they've got to be freaking out. Because, oh, yeah, the FBI knows that he was at... Valerie Leighton's Apparently house. the fire somehow caramelized her blood and Gross. so his footprints were like caramelized onto the wood. Is that how fire and blood work? I don't think so. No. I don't know. How much sugar is I don't know why they weren't just like because... they found the knife and your fingerprints were all over it because that would have made way more sense but they don't even mention caramelized that. boot prints. No, yeah. they do say it. Um, oh, do they? They do mention the whole fingerprints thing too. Okay. Yeah. That's just not the way they bring it up which is weird. Um, Because they're like they mentioned the boot and then they mentioned the fingerprints on that. I was like how do they even have his fingerprints though? 
because he's a teenage boy, which means he hasn't They gone... might have fingerprinted him after the plane crash. Yeah, but he would have had to give um, permission for that and then never show it, so... True. Because, I mean, I've been fingerprinted because you have to do that if you're, like, becoming a camp counselor or if you're, becoming, right. if you're ever working with kids, they do, like, a bunch of background checks and you have to do the whole fingerprint thing. Maybe he was a camp counselor. So maybe, yeah, that's his backstory that we just never know about. Right, because why would you give the viewer any information at all? Of unless course. you're just having a this teenage boy say it out loud to the camera. You no, know, at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if I just missed him being like, oh, yeah, my camp counselor days, and that just magically explains something later on. Yeah. But that was probably cut, too. Probably. He probably said that while he was making out with Claire, <laughs> who now, for the rest of the movie, does refer him as baby yes um yeah because i think it's the beach scene is where they start kissing for the first time uh, and they just completely go. get rid of that anyway so he like while he's freaking out around the house he also has the realization that he actually would not be next in line to die because he never officially swapped seats to go sit next to todd also wouldn't he have died earlier if he was sitting right next to todd if todd was supposed to die earlier like, i don't know <sighs> anyway so He's like, oh, no, it's clear who's in danger. And there's mm -hmm. this weird, like, storm that then just pops out of nowhere. Yeah, and so there's lightning all over the place. And also... There isn't really rain, but at some point she has to go save her dog and a canoe full of water tips over. And there's lots and lots of water, like five canoes worth of water flooding the area. And, the... and like, her car... She's in her car. Yeah. And, like, her first car is leaking the, gas. First, the electrical wire tries to get into the water that's coming out of the canoe right um but she gets out of it and then she's like i need to drive away so she tries to drive her car just out the garage door she doesn't mm -hmm. even open the garage door maybe she couldn't open it i don't know and then this thing falls from the ceiling into her windshield and somehow like a can of turpentine or something like that falls over yeah and so she's like about to get electrocuted to death and probably for her whole fucking block to blow up or something because yeah. that is and how the, this um, stuff works electrical wire that was freaking out near the water somehow then gets on her car as she's like finally gets out of the garage yeah and supposedly the rubber tires are grounding her so as long as she doesn't really touch anything she will be fine right then alex fortunately shows up because he's like okay well i'm just gonna sacrifice myself it's fine whatever i don't care yeah so he grabs the wire or he tells her like i'm gonna grab this wire and she's like no don't do it and he's like no but i'm intervening so you won't die yeah so he grabs it and he gets like blasted i back. also don't know why he thinks that this will actually work because like they've already established that if you cheat death death will still find I you i think he's the intervening factor and i think his belief is that there if there is an if there is an intervening factor of some sort then once you are prevented from death the second time through this intervention you will not die how does he come up with these rules <laughs> well at least we know that he's wrong we find that back out that's later. true so, but he picks up this wire thing and it blasts, away, blasts him away, but then all of a sudden the electricity that was going to this wire goes out because of this weird supernatural force and she's able to get out of the car. Yeah. And then it explodes. And then the car explodes. Full on huge explosion. And the FBI agents just happen to show up and they go and they run to check on him as she is also running to go check on him. And she's like, baby, baby. And then we find that he is not breathing. Yeah. And everything goes to black. Yeah. But then we wake up six months later. And... Alex, Carter, and Clear all going to Paris together? For some reason? Um, also, why would you get back on a plane to Paris? Quick question. I think they one of them actually says that. Like, I can't believe we did this. Like, why did we do this? But, like, literally, why did they do it, though? <laughs> and then, well, because he didn't have a weird premonition feeling thing. I guess. But they're eating at this really cute little outdoor thing that looks a lot like one of the malls that they use earlier I on. I just want to go one step back and ask, how did Alex live? Don't think about it. I think Don't even consider it. Okay. It's not important. Great. Nothing has to make sense, Maddie. It's fate. Oh, God. This movie if is If the horrible. movie made sense, 
It would be a different movie, and it would be like, better. Why didn't it fade to black with like her doing CPR on him or something like that, uh-huh. and her being the intervening factor? I'll in tell you what. Death. They probably wanted to do this ending and did not know how to make him live. Yeah. Ugh. They were like, fuck it. He just did. Cool. So... Um, but they're all discussing their ordeal, and he realized that he was last on the list, and Death never actually had a chance to skip him. And so Carter, at this... Uh, well, first... There's this song that starts playing, like one of the street musicians oh, yeah. is playing so this like they're Rocky, playing Rocky Mountain. Mountain High by John Denver, who did in fact die in a plane crash. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is also what was playing. Um, I think in the airport, it was playing one of the guys was playing it at was, some point. Yeah. yeah, and then it was playing again when uh, Mrs. Luton died. She puts it on. She's like, "Oh, mom's." I favorite. recognize. She's that. also talking to herself a lot during that scene, but she talks about it and she puts on. It, like, I talk to myself a lot, so true. Shows like a close up of the record, so it's like it's something that's shown up several times before. I didn't notice in the airport. I noticed it in Mrs. Luton's house. Yeah. And so they start, and I think that's how he knows that it's an omen because yeah, he I wasn't he in Yeah, he recognizes house. that. And he's yeah. like, oh God. And then he starts seeing like a bus goes by, which is very reminiscent of uh, Terry's death. Yeah. And a couple other things. He's like, oh no, I'm going to die. And Carter's like screaming like, you're going to die. Ha ha ha. You are next. Like, and Weird clear choice, is like, why, a lot why of are people you doing have died already. Yeah. Like, don't throw that shit around. Carter's Your girlfriend died, Carter. What the fuck? Yeah. I think my favorite, he's, like, trying to, like, inscribe her name on the memorial. Like, this is, like, a while back. But there's some point, they all meet in the memorial. He's, like, trying to, like, scribe her name into it. And he can't. He's, like, he just, like, throws down whatever tool. He's, like, her name should be here. (laughs) It's so weird. But, yeah, Alex realizes, like, oh, it is his time. And there's this weird, yeah, the bus almost hits him. Then it swerves. It hits a sign, which hits another sign, which hits another sign. And this giant billboardy thing comes swinging towards Alex. And then Carter shows up and pushes Alex out of the way. Yep. Saving him, but then he sacrifices himself. Kind of. He stands up and he's like, see, you were next, but like, who's next now? And you see the sign that had swung past Alex come back and it like goes black and you hear the thunk of it hitting Carter. And obviously he is now dead. And that's the end of it. Yeah, it's a really unsatisfying ending. It's a garbage ass movie. I just, it could have been so good. That's the thing. It has so much potential. There's some really good choices in here like a lot of the smaller details have really nice thoughts about it like that whole rocky mountain high yeah i didn't know that feature like about that's that. really cool there is a ton of attention to details like another thing um that i really like is that all of the characters are named after horror directors producers or actors see that's really cool too like billy hitchcock um terry is terry cheney after lon cheney um todd is named after um where did i put that uh, Todd's name is Todd Wagner. Uh, he's named after Todd Browning, who directed Dracula, and George Wagner, who directed Wolfman. Uh, his brother's name is just George Wagner, so he's obviously named after him. Alex Browning is also after Todd Browning. Um, Valerie Luton is named after Val Luton, who was a producer who did I Walked With a Zombie and Cat People. Um, Agent Shrek, who's one of the FBI agents, is named after Max Shrek, who played Nosferatu. See, I feel like... There were really good details in yeah. here. Yeah. I just wish they would have taken all the thought they put into those details and applied more of it to the general plot. And, like, does this make sense? No, maybe we should do it so it does make sense. Yeah. It just, it is frustrating because there are those little things where, like, oh, you're a really creative person. Why are you putting it into these little things instead of the overall plot? It's almost like they thought if they did all the little things right, they could get away with how weird the plot is. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about how this got made. Yeah, so it was an original concept created by Jeffrey Riddick. Um, and the way that he came the way that he came up with the story is that he was flying home from Kentucky and he read a story about a woman who was on vacation in Hawaii and he said her mom called her and said, Don't take the flight tomorrow, I have a bad feeling about it. She switched the flights and the plane that she would have been on crashed, and I thought, That's creepy. What if she was supposed to die on that flight? 
Yeah, and this was, cool. it is actually a pretty interesting concept. I love it the is. idea of it. And there's actually another flight, um, uh, TWA flight 800, um, that crashed 12 minutes after departing JFK on its way to Paris, and this was in 1996. Some of the footage in the movie is actually footage of that plane crash. That's so weird. But it's not inspired by that plane crash. Um, like, it... Like, they wrote it, and He'd then... already started working on this, I think, in 92. Oh, wow. So, because um, th- there were a couple different, you know, versions of this before the final version that we saw, the final destination. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, definitely Which by the time it got around there... also is a there, really good plane pun, because, like, oh, you have reached your final destination. Yeah. Hey. I think they use that in the trailers. They might have. I don't know. Maybe not for this one, but I think, I feel like they've used that in one of the trailers. Yeah, I do think that it was a good pun that they could have used. And they didn't use it well enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it definitely incorporated some of the elements of that plane crash in, but a lot of people think that it was like outright inspired by that plane crash, and it wasn't exactly. What it was, but it was originally going to be a spec script for the X-Files. Which I think it would have been such a good episode. It would have been great. And in fact, there is an episode called Synchrony from, I think, the third or fourth season um in 1997 i think um which has a really similar plot where like there's somebody who's destined like his death has been foretold and he's specifically gonna die and like everything that people do to try to get him to stop dying like leads to his death so i mean it would have been a good it was a good episode of the X-Files. yeah i mean i think it could have you probably could have differentiated the two decently in the sense of like oh this person cheated death and now like you know it's coming for them and things keep happening and yeah. eventually the person dies like that would have been a little bit different yeah but it's still super interesting and it like is. i think it honestly would have been better that way i think it would have too um you don't need quite as much exposition constantly right and it, it wouldn't even be as notable if it was like you know, if you had other people in there who could be like, oh, I found this thing that's similar. Like, you know, you have... And you have, like, Mulder, Mulder doing Google who says, like, oh, man, look at this case where something similar happened. Yeah. And they were supposed to be on this boat that sank. And then, like, a week later, they died because their toaster exploded. I don't know. Scully, I think they're cheating death. <laughs> that would have been so... That would have been great. But they didn't do that. Instead, what happened was um, producer Craig Perry, who produced this, um, kind of picked it up, and he worked with Jeffrey Riddick to expand it into a full-length film. First mistake. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, this movie originally was supposed to feature all adults, but as was very popular in late 90s, early 2000s, you have, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer, you have all these slasher Scream movies. Scream had just come Scream. out. Um, everyone was turned into a teenager. Yeah. Which made it, like, both more fun and also more obnoxious at the same time. Yeah. And also, like, I guess it, it makes more sense as to why they all end up getting together later, because they already know each other. They're not just, like, rando strangers on a flight. Yeah. Um, but initially, like... New Line Cinema was kind of nervous about this because it is notably a horror movie without an actual killer. It's true. There's no monster. There's a threat, but you never see it. And it's sort of ambiguous as to whether it's really real for the first part. I'm trying to think of another movie that doesn't really have a monster. I guess, like, It Follows, maybe? There are monsters, though, because people are getting attacked by things in It Follows. You just can't see them. Yeah. Because there's a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of, like, haunted house movies where, like, something's off, but... True. Yeah, I guess, like, in Amityville, you never see, like, a source of the problem. I guess the house is the problem, to a certain extent. But even then, people get messed with when they're not in the house, too. Yeah. But this one's so vague, you know? Yeah, it's It's just just It's death coming for them. It's just the concept of death. Um, But ultimately, it was pretty successful, so they went ahead with it. Um, Something I thought was interesting was that Jeffrey Riddick mentions that Nightmare on Elm Street was his favorite movie when he was a kid which i think actually makes a lot of sense as to why he tried to incorporate some humor into it because yeah. there's a lot of humor in the nightmare on elm street series 
That's true. And it also makes sense that he decided to go with um, a force that seems literally unavoidable because the whole thing with Freddy is that you can't stay awake forever Mm-mm. and he will get you when you're asleep. Yeah. And you really have to think about being in his world and tricking him in order to, you know, get out of it. And that's the only way that Nancy survives at the end is that she outthinks him. So that's kind of interesting. There's a little bit of a Similar connection concept, there. Yeah. He actually wrote, when he was 14 years old, a sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, so he wrote this outline and he sent the outline to New Line and they sent him back like a form letter basically saying that they don't accept unsolicited material, which is kind of, you know, yeah. par for the course. That's how all of these things work. Um, but he didn't know that because he was just a kid and he wrote back and he was like, well, I'm a big fan and I've spent all this money and you really should just like at least pay attention to my script. And so the chairman of New Line, um, Robert Shea, actually wrote him back and basically told him like you have a good imagination um but you need to work on your structure to actually make a good story which i would say is a criticism he should have taken to heart a little bit more yeah because <laughs> that is still a problem with this movie yeah this movie does not have a good outline yeah sorry Shay really nailed it on that one sorry jeffrey reddick like good ideas yeah it just it needed more fine-tuning needed honestly. more structure needed a better editor needed not editor in terms of the Lex- film just in terms of it needed less general just like exposition yeah and more i guess plot yeah maybe have someone who's seen something similar come in and talk about it yeah or literally i don't know make it more ambiguous then because they try to make it real certain as to what is happening yeah it needs to be like like, one or the other you can't go in this weird middle way no it's very strange um riddick actually apparently ended up working for um new line later on and he tempted in robert shea's office huh. and he there's um he's telling a story about how like one of the assistants was out to lunch with robert shea and robert shea was like why does that guy's name sound so familiar to me and the assistant was like oh well he like sent that thing to you that's so all those funny years ago and he was like oh my god like see how far it gets you if you like just keep going with it which Aww, is that's, that's cool. really i cute. like that i'm happy for I mean, him he did create a very successful film franchise that has five movies in it that's true so um, it's at this point when he's working with Craig Perry on the script that he brings in uh, Wong and Morgan, um, and they kind of give the film more of a sense of paranoia and dread. And honestly, that is kind of something that they do well, whereas like in all of these shots, literally every single thing you look at, you're like, is that what it's going to be? Is that what it's going to be? And it's, I do think that that is what makes the concept of this movie so interesting yeah. is like literally you could look around everything in your house that could possibly kill you like look the cat scratch and be like oh wow that has sharp corners what if i fell and hit like the temple of my head right what if this lamp falls over and like electrocutes me somehow and i think that's one of the cool things the only probably cool thing about todd's death scene which is that you see him like shaving and you're like oh shit it's gonna be the razor and then he cuts himself and you're like ah is this it and it's not it and then he's like oh it's the nose hair trimmers nope it's not the nose hair trimmers you know it kind of like keeps true. you guessing and it gets you more into Alex's mindset of, like, just being super paranoid about every single thing. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And they also did some, um, like, visual choices uh, for this. This is actually um, Wong's directorial debut. He'd done, or his featured directorial debut, but he had worked on The X-Files previously. He was nominated for an Emmy. Um, and so he kind of had some experience making things feel unsettling. You know, yeah. Because that's a big part of The X-Files. Um I would not have expected this movie to have such a strong X-Files tie, but I do really like that. I appreciate that. It does feel kind of like an episode. It does. It's just too long and clunky, and it doesn't have the two best parts of the X-Files, which is Mulder and Scully. True. But that's fine. Um, So in order to create, like, a sense of unease, all of the sets that you see after the plane crash are structured differently than the sets before the plane crash. Yeah, so, like, things don't quite meet up properly, or they're kind of out of place. Just things are not meant to look... Or things are just meant to look 
kind of off. Yeah, like the corners but don't But not meet supposed up. to be like super obvious. Yeah, he said he used a lot of forced perspective, so you just can't really get a sense of how big the rooms are or where things are supposed to be. All the colors are really washed out. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of designed to make you feel uncomfortable, which yeah. I think is a really cool concept, to be honest. That's it is. dope. That's really cool. They didn't necessarily, again, They've got all these good parts, and they couldn't, for some reason, make a good movie out of them. Um, so like we said, I mean, this isn't... It's hard to see a direct line between this and other horror movies. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple other movies that came after it where people are either fated to die or they don't have a real reason or something like that. I, I kind of see it a little bit in, like, um, Drag Me to Hell, where there's even that thing where she thinks she's safe at the end, but then she's not safe. That's true. And it's like, no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to get away As little as I like it. this movie, I'd rather watch this movie again than watch Drag Me to Hell again. Yeah. I'll be honest about that. All right. I mean, you really, really hated Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, if you had to choose between this movie and Amityville Horror. I might actually go Amityville Horror. I would also go Amityville Horror. Just because the characters are mildly more interesting. They are. And I feel like things actually happen in Amityville Horror. That's true. You know? Which is funny because that's the opposite of what we said on the Amityville I know, but this nothing happens in this movie. I mean, things happen, but for no stupid reason. I hate it. I do really like Ali. Yeah. Ali Larder? Ali Larder. I could not remember her last name for a second. (laughs) She is pretty cool. Um, we see, like, in the butterfly effect, there's a guy who's trying to change his own fate, Ashton Kutcher, doing I a bunch really of weird shit. I that again. I haven't watched that since I was, like, a kid, yeah, and it was right. weird, but kind of cool at the same time. Yeah, I watched it semi-recently, and it was, like, I don't think I watched all of it. I think I joined Tim while he was watching it, and it was, like, this is fine, but I also don't like it. I do think it's really funny that he, like, keeps making all these changes to his life in order to try and, like, make it better or make other people's lives better, and mm-hmm. then he comes to the board and sees how it changes. And yeah. there's a scene where, like, he's in jail because he accidentally like blew up a mom and her baby or something like that and then he's trying to prove to someone else that he can go in the future like he can change things and so one of them like he goes back to a classroom he walks up to the front of the classroom like stabs his hands on these um metal things and then comes back and he's in the same exact place but he has like the stigmata now and that's the whole because this guy's really religious but okay but wouldn't your life change a little bit more if you just did that in a classroom like i feel like that would have a larger effect than just scars they've established that by that point, when he reappeared, if he'd been like, look at my stigmata, the guy would have been like, yeah, you had those when you came in here. That's true. Because he's supposed to have had them the entire time. So there's like three things that are all wrong with that scene. Yeah. Sorry. That's just something that really bothers me. Is like, one, your life would have changed more. Two, you would have already had those. And three, like... And it's, it's frustrating because that's like the whole point of the movie up until that point. Yeah. And then they ignore it. Ugh. It's dumb. God damn it. Um, and we even see like in Lost, there's some elements of this. Like there's certain people who are like... Meant to die. Yeah, or meant to die, meant to live. Like the island wants these people, or like those people will die no matter how much. Yeah, there are a whole bunch of people who die, and the ones who are left are like the ones who are like the chosen. I guess all the numbers represented them or something. I gotta be honest, my lost viewing was very sporadic. (laughs) Oh, I watched all of it, and I loved all of it except for the last season. I remember people telling me just watch all of it except for the last season. Pretend that the season finale of the second to last season is the end of the show, and you'll be much happier. Okay. I'll keep that and in mind. And then I didn't do that. I watched the last one. It doesn't make that much sense. I do agree that it should have ended a season earlier, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Yeah. You find I do, out what the I numbers to, mean finally, so. I have to do a Lost rewatch. Or watch, I guess, because I've watched, like, two episodes. Yeah. So I should probably just watch Lost when I get finished with rewatching it's Parks and Recreation. It's worth it. It's all spooky at times, so hey. I love spooky shit, as you know. Yeah. And then this movie also does feed into, like, the extreme deaths that we see a lot. I mean, they're not always this comedic, because they definitely are so over the top at times that it's more funny than it is, uh, Yeah, like, the teacher's scary. death goes on for, like, ten minutes, and you're just like, okay, we get it. We it's get too it. long. <laughs> 
And then you do see movies like Saw that were also really over the top with their deaths, but that's like cool and still creepy. It's not Yeah, just... and they don't get right into it at the very beginning. Like the deaths in the first movie are like a little bit more like chill, like not chill, but like not as gratuitous, not as over the top. And in the later ones they get really into it. Like by the time you're in Saw 3D, you're watching like a woman get like like lowered cut into open a, over and then like yeah, in, in the middle of a park. How do they even set that out? up? I don't know. Um yeah, and I mean, it, it kind of, you see it before this in, like, the slashes of the 80s and 90s where, like, they get really crazy in the sequels. It does feel like this movie is at a sequel level, you know? But it's not a sequel. It's the first, and it should be better. So in terms of legacy, I mean, like we said, there are a ton of sequels for this movie. Um, there's five total sequels. Yeah, so there's Final Destination 2, Final Destination 3. Well, five total films. Right. Five sequels. You're right. But there's Final Destination 2, Final Destination 3, Final... I fucked this up. There's Final Destination 2... Final Destination 3, The Final Destination, and then Final Destination 5. I like that because they tried to do that like mid-2000s, late-2000s thing where they're like, we're going to shake up the franchise and give it a new name. And then by 2011, they were like, we're just going to go back. It's That's just, fun. It's just five, right? We're just going with five. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, and like we said, it, it got some mixed reviews. So it has a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I'm not surprised. I'm not either. Wait, how did this get better reviews than Stay Alive? I would say Stay Alive is objectively a better movie than this. Honestly, I agree with you. As much as I think that Stay Alive is also a confusing this mess has in a lot of places. a better cast. True. The death scenes are a lot better. True. The concepts are more interesting and better explained. And the villain is, I think, better. I think more people have seen this than have seen Stay Alive. Well, I think that's a mistake. More people need to see Stay Alive. <laughs> All right. Well, our, our mission is to get stay alive out to a it actually audience. is my personal mission in this world i mean i know that every couple of years is supposed to come up like a personal mission i think mine right now is get as many people to see the movie stay alive as possible everybody needs a new year's resolution it's true um and a lot of the reviews like if you look through them are very like i said earlier they're it's just it's of two minds and a lot of people can't deal with that because it is very campy in some places and very tense in others and it just makes it really confusing to watch it's very hot and cold there's a lot of really slow bits where nothing really happens and then there's like 10 minute long insane explosion murder scenes that just feel really out of place yeah and i have been told that the sequels are much better and i think they yeah. do kind of go more for like a slightly more realistic and less like this wire is randomly gonna wrap around your neck five times which i think honestly that's the main thing is that like none of that shit is scary no because it's just not realistic right if it were if he'd just fallen on the line while it was still in like his like neck got cut that could, i think would have been scarier also like I think part of the joy, or not the joy, I think part of the anxiety of the movie is that, like, all of the things that happen could easily be mistaken for either, like, in his case, a suicide or an accidental death. By the time you get to Mrs. Luton's house, no one's going to think that's an accidental death. Like, they're going to investigate that super, super fully. Yeah. And, like, yeah, eventually they would realize that, like, oh, this this cracked and that did that and that did that. I don't know if they would. I honestly think that if they like if this ever went to trial or anything like that, Alex would probably go to jail. Also, True. how does he not? Like they have there's a lot of evidence pointing yeah. at him. That that is a good point. Not that even they also just circumstantial skim over. Like his fingerprints are on the weapon, his boot prints are in the blood. He could say that he showed up and tried to help, then why didn't he actually try to help? And why right. did he run away? He didn't call the police. He did nothing. He didn't know they were on their way already. Ugh. All right, so I guess to round it out, we have to do our final... Did you like this movie, Maddie? It was okay. It was not good. 
But I honestly, after your text messages saying how bad it was, I expected it to be a lot worse. So I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised that it was watchable because I thought it was just going to be completely unwatchable. I gotta be honest, I hated this because I tend to love 90s, 2000s, garbage, ridiculous, scary movies about teenagers. And I really didn't like this. I do love... 90s teenager slashers and stuff played by a bunch of 20 to 25 year olds with a 30 year old teacher so you know yeah actually i mean a 30 years old is like a very very normal age for a teacher that's true but most of my friends and or like people i knew in high school went back to being teachers like at our high school pretty four quickly years later. Yeah. yeah um but i think it is just funny that there's such a tiny age difference between the teenagers and her because the teenagers were clearly not actually teenagers yeah or even like, like the parents she almost looked like she was one of the teenagers yeah they all because like exactly ali larder i don't know if she's ever actually looked like 16 in her life no i think she has one of those older faces she like does. a jamie lee curtis type Which where you just kind of always look like you're 35 yeah when i was in like the airport when i was like 17 and you don't need an id to get on a plane if you're mm-hmm. under 18 technically and I was like, oh, I don't have my driver's license, but also I'm 17. They're like, no, you're not. Like, they didn't believe me. And I was like, wow. I promise you that I am. I've always gotten the same thing as well, yeah. where, like, I'm I th- I'm tall, so I, people read me as older. That makes and, sense, yeah. Which I hope bodes well. I hope that means that I won't age super quickly, because I feel like sometimes people with baby faces age weirdly when they get older. That's true. But then you have your Jamie Lee Curtis's, who still looks super young and hot. That's true. Even though she's rocking the silver hair, which I love. I love it. Yeah, and Allie Larder still looks super hot, although she's not as old as Jamie Lee Curtis. She's not, but she is as hot as Jamie Lee Curtis, I would say. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, in general, I think that I appreciated the the effort to make a non-physical threat, and I like the overall intention of, like, making things scary. Like I said, I think they had some really cool ideas. I just really thought that the dialogue, the exposition style was shitty, and uh, all the deaths were just completely ridiculous. Um, yeah, so that is Final Destination. Um, An interesting movie, I think a, a fun one to talk about, even though it wasn't necessarily one of our favorites. Um, so what are we going to be doing next week, Mary? So because we watched a movie that neither of us had seen this week and it turned out to be a bad one, we're going to go with one that we know is good. Yes. So that way we can speak very highly of it. Exactly. And I think it's going to be um, a fun one. Uh, it's definitely a classic. Next week we are going to do... The Shining! Yeah! So uh, we're going to talk about a little about the differences between the book and the movie. As well as Stephen King's legacy. Of course. We can also get into some of the really cool conspiracy theories around this. Yes. If you're going to watch The Shining in preparation, you should also watch Room 237 on... Uh, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. And The Shining right now is free on Netflix. So, so that's great. Yeah. So check both of those out. Um, and it's about to get... It's- it's snowing in a lot of parts of the country right now. Yeah, so not here, but that's fine. It doesn't really snow here. No. But we're going to get in the, the Christmas mood, <laughs> the winter mood with the most horrifying uh, Christmas winter movie, movie ever. possible. Yeah. yeah. So we're excited about that. Come back uh, in a couple weeks for that. Um, we'll let you know on Twitter when it's about to go out. Until then, try and stay off any Zambonis. Yep. Uh, be safe. Be careful. That wasn't a Zamboni. That was a snowplow. Yeah. Whoops. Stay off the snowplows, too. Yeah, just... Any giant thing that drives on ice. Yeah, and um, listen, if you have a bad feeling about a plane that you're on, you should definitely make a huge scene and get off of it. And maybe bring a handful of people off of the plane against their will as well. Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen. You never, ever do. Chances and you should are, always be afraid. Chances are you probably just ruined their vacation, though, for no reason. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, weigh the options heavily. Um, drive yeah. safe. We'll talk to you soon. Mwah! Bye.